So abundance to me is about living your life to the fullest, fulfilling your purpose and enjoying the process, embracing the process, seeing challenges as opportunities to grow and expand, seeing things that are happening for you, not to you, because we can't grow into abundance without challenges. Welcome to Evolve Leadership, the arena where high achieving leaders are challenged to redefine their limits. My name is Angus Nelson. I grew up in the United States and I now live in Lisbon, Portugal. I'm an executive coach and I've spent my career advising and training leaders from startups to Fortune 500 companies. And here's what I've learned. An old, ineffective leadership framework will always keep you on a hamster wheel, consumed with work-life balance, burnout, and stress. Here on the show, each week we'll help you rethink the path to achievement. We'll help you discover new principles, new philosophies to the modern leader. Look, the world is relentlessly changing, demanding a new era of leaders. It's time to redefine your limits. So enter the arena, my friend. It's time to evolve. Welcome to the show today. So great to have you here. We have a guest for you that I met online. It's interesting because uh, some of the people I bring on the show are people I've had some relationship with, I've met in person, but uh, who we're going to talk to today, Chris Salem is someone uh, we started conversing through LinkedIn that started uh, some curiosities. He had me on his podcast. I'm like, dude, you should totally be on my podcast. And so we did a little bit exchange and uh, today you're going to dive into his world a little bit. We kind of like peel back the layers. Uh, I ask him a couple questions and wind him up and watch him go. This guy has got some leadership chops uh, for you today. Now, Chris is an accomplished CEO. Uh, he's a certified workplace advisor, professional keynote speaker, award-winning author, corporate trainer, and he's also the host of a radio show and a media personality. He's dedicated to empowering business leaders and businesses to foster better workplace environments. And he also helps leaders into higher engagement and retention with their staff, generating more clients, increasing customer experiences, and scaling their own, uh, their overall revenue. He's also the author of a couple of books. Uh, one is called Master Your Inner Critic, uh, Resolve the Root Cause. And then he also wrote another book that he co-authored co with Jack Canfield called Mastering the Art of Success. He's a radio show that I told you about sustainable success. It's part of the Voice America Influencers Channel and Business Influencers with Tal Radio, part of a Touch of Life Foundation. Gosh, this guy's got so much going on and he's going to share a lot of it on this show. With that, let's jump into the conversation right now. Well, welcome to the show, Christopher. So great to have you here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So uh, what's life like uh, weather-wise for you right now? Well, it, believe it or not, for the last, for most of this week, we're at midweek here. It's been uh, relatively somewhat mild uh, for December here during the holiday season here in the Northeast in the United States, but it is now dropping down to normal temperature. Matter of fact, it's supposed to get pretty cold 
So we're going to have a pretty cold Christmas. So, well, uh, which is fine by me. As long as there's no snow on the ground, I'm good. Oh, see, so that's why I was asking is because being over here in Portugal, the one thing my wife and I talked about this week, I grew up in Wisconsin. And I said, the one thing that I'm actually really missing, and I I, I kick myself for saying this, I'm just kind of in awe, but I miss being in uh, a land of winter wonderland. Yeah. uh, Where I walk into the house and the fireplace is, you know, roaring uh, and, you know, the smell of food and uh, Nat King Cole is playing. Uh, Back when I was a kid, that was on 8-track. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I remember those. I, I, I came Christmas. from that era. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's what I miss. And then uh, when we're asked, what were we going to do for Christmas dinner? And I know if you're listening to this, it's obviously we're way past Christmas by the time you're listening to this. But hey, yeah. you can get nostalgic even if this show comes out in July. We can have Christmas in July. There you go. Can Enjoy Christmas your roast anytime. beef. <laughs> for sure. And With that, uh, I thought that would be a good segue because today I want to talk about this level of what we have in the holidays is generosity and abundance and overflow. And and we think about all the ways that we can help and serve one another. So I thought that would be a good setup for today because it's one of the things you do. Now, as I introed in here, you've written a couple books and, you know, part of success in some of your theorem, I suppose, is this understanding of what abundance looks like in our lives. And I would love for you to just kind of expound, like, why is that the case? Well, when, when you know, abundance is going to be the eye of the beholder. You know, everybody's going to have a certain look on what abundance means to them. Abundance can mean, you know, having optimal well-being in how you take care of your emotional and mental state of being, your physical state of being. Also could be financial in terms of, you know, you know, we look at things from a place of having enough of everything. There's no lack lack or no scarcity in any any aspect when it comes to wealth. And, you know, some people live below their means. Some people live at that, that same level or some can live above and beyond. But nonetheless, abundance is going to be in the eye of the beholder. <clears throat> and one of the things that I look at is always finding that harmony. Abundance to me is about harmony, that it's never going to be balanced, but that harmony, that give or take and how we take care of ourself, then how we then, you know, how do we address our people around us that we truly love, our families, our friends, then also, you know, what, you know, why and what you do in your career to create impact and help others. And then, of course, the the exchange of money for the value that you bring in terms of how you can now take that money and use it in a way to help, you know, create a legacy for your family, create an impact in your community, industry, whatever that may be. So abundance to me is about living your life to the fullest, fulfilling your purpose and enjoying the process, embracing the process, seeing challenges as opportunities to grow and expand, seeing things that are happening for you, not to you. Because we can't grow into abundance without challenges. Well, so let's kind of peel back some of the layers because I know when people want, I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and says like, mm, I want to be scarce. I want to be poor. I want to be like, nobody wakes up for that, you know, but we do wake up wanting and oftentimes desiring more, quote unquote, more. And again, fill in the blank what that looks like. 
And what I hear you saying is abundance isn't necessarily more. Abundance is kind of like being happy with the, what you have. And there was a quote uh, right. that I, I pulled, right, grateful, gratitude. You said true prosperity is about what you feel about what you have and own, not actually what you have and own. And yet our westernized society paints this picture of, you know, striving and earning and uh, hustling to get more and more and more. What's been your observation on how that's played out in people in the corporate world? Well, I find that if, if you measure your level of prosperity and abundance by what you have, material things, what kind of car you drive, what, kind, what size house you live in, how many bedrooms and bathrooms do you have in your house or how many homes that you have, you know, and while, you know, things like that can be somewhat important, that doesn't measure your true worth of prosperity. There are many people out there that, that truly live prosperous lives, life's meaning. Uh, they, they feel fulfilled. They choose to be happy. And it's not defined by the, about the number of resources or assets that they have. When we leave this world, we're not taking our car, our house, our, our Rolex watch with us. <laughs> we're going to leave that with our loved ones or somebody or something. So it, it, so to me, prosperity is a state of being. It's this choice that we make each and every day to be happy, to be grateful for where we are. Doesn't mean you're settling or conforming to where you are. It's being happy and grateful for where you are at and striving to achieve what is important to you. But knowing that you're doing it for the reasons that are truly important for you, not what society has said that this is what prosperity is or certain people saying that that until you get to this level, then you can be truly prosperous. You get to decide what prosperous means to you. You get to decide what that means. And those are the things that when you can be grateful for where you're at and be grateful for what you're becoming in the challenges and obstacles and problems that you are now persevering through, you just now be, you learn to be and become more. And when you do, you're able to do things differently and have different and better results. So persons listening to this, they're working uh, a corporate gig or perhaps they're a founder and they've got these mandates upon them, their organization, their teams that they've got to meet up to. And they're in a place where they feel this desperation, this, this pressure, this uh, need to make a move, to switch things around. But they find themselves in this place of, in the definition of this conversation, a place of scarcity. I don't have enough. My team's not good enough. I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't deserve or I'm worthy of this role or this opportunity. Maybe I don't have what it takes. When you're coaching someone from this role, what are some of the things that you share with them to invite them into seeing through a different lens? Yeah. I would say that, you know, these are the things that, that many, many people in the world experience at certain parts of their life or throughout their entire life. What I do is I create awareness by making myself to be vulnerable and transparent that I lived the first 30 years of my life from my limiting beliefs. And limiting beliefs are found in almost every person on this planet. Limiting beliefs are forged during our child development years. These are the beliefs that, that we now, that become ingrained at the subconscious level from what we observe growing up through our parents, usually because we're in, in our homes. 
We watch, we observe what our mom and dad are, how they communicate to themselves and other people, how they behave, how, what their attitude is, what their, how they react versus respond to situations and their action. And these are the things that when, as we grow up, we are either going to take things that are positive and negative from those observations and that will become part of us. And if they are negative beliefs, these are the things that are going to impact us in everything that we do growing up. It's going to impact our level of confidence, our self-esteem. It's going to impact how we communicate to ourselves and other people, our own behavior, our attitude and how we see the world, our emotions versus, you know, again, are we reacting instead of responding to situations and people and our level of action? That's why a lot of people procrastinate. They're busy, but not productive. That, that's a form of action. So with that being said, just knowing that being aware that our limiting beliefs are playing a major role in why we might feel this lack or this level of scarcity where you're not good enough, but it's just knowing that you're not alone. And, but, and through that awareness, it's realizing how can I shift my way of thinking from lack to abundance? How can I shift away from limiting beliefs? So the first thing is to recognize what are those limiting beliefs? I know for me, it was a lack, it was a, that I had a strong need for validation. And the reason why I had a strong need for validation, because I didn't get that growing up from my father. I was always striving for his attention and his approval. And when I didn't get it, guess what? Where did I seek it out? You, all of you. So there was no coincidence why I grew up to become a passive person in terms of my communication and my behavior. And what that meant is I said yes to everything. I would go out of my way to please and enable you for the sake of you validating me and saying, Chris, thank you for helping me. You're a great guy and you're really knowledgeable at doing this, this and this. And by the way, you know what you did to help me is great, but it wasn't good enough. So I'm gonna raise the bar and you're gonna, I'm gonna have to jump through even more hoops. Now we all know that those expectations do not go, unf go unfulfilled. And these are the very things that lead to burnout. And I was burned out. I, was, I had anxiety. I was stressed. And then it would develop into resentment and anger with other people. I was also a perfectionist. I got that from my mother growing up because I grew up observing that my mother, everything had to be perfect. And it, when, if it wasn't, she would take care of it. So I grew up a codependent. I grew up in a codependent home. I, was a, I, I had a strong need for validation. I was a perfectionist. So that perfection side lended itself to also have an aggressive style to my communication behavior. So I was a passive aggressive. And that is very confusing to people, especially when you're a business leader. So my behavior would contradict what I said. And then what I said would contradict my behavior. With that being said, with those are the very things that led me down a path of being exhausted, anxious, and, and feeling stressed. And these are the very things that when you can be aware of that, we can learn to shift our way of thinking. I learned that fear is a major, is a, when something triggers fear, a situation or people, it's the, it's the, it, that's a message to let you know that we can now learn to think in a different way. We can learn to think in the moment, not in the past and the future where fear thrives, but in the moment where fear is reduced. And we can learn now to shift our way, our way of thinking away from expectations because expectations go unfulfilled, whether if they're your own or other people, because expectations are caught up in the control we can't control. So I've learned to shift away from expectations to outcomes and to now 
operate from intentions. I can control my intentions. I cannot control expectations. Here's why. There are, there are things that we can control in our lives and there are things that we can't control. Well, the things that we can't control are some of the obvious, right? We can't control the weather, can't control COVID, can't control the economy, what's going on in the world in terms of wars and, and people that are, you know, that are in disagreement with one another. We can't control traffic. But there are things that we can control. And there are five major things that we can. And those are the, how we communicate to ourselves and other people. Are we communicating from our inner champion versus our inner critic each and every day? Are we communicating to ourselves in an assertive versus a passive aggressive way? Meaning that I'm being very specific, clear, and concise with my communication to myself versus being passive or aggressive. Now, and it in turns when I'm communicating to other people, whether if I'm the sender or the receiver, doesn't matter. I'm always responsible for that. I can't control how somebody else is going to respond to me. So I can't assume and speculate what they're going to come back with. I got to be specific, clear, and concise with my communication and then hope that person now is going to be specific, clear, and concise to me. I can control that. My behavior, same thing. Passive aggressive or assertive, or both were passive aggressive too. Learning how to shift my behavior to being assertive, being specific, clear, and concise with my behavior in alignment with my communication, my attitude, and, and seeing things happening for me, not to me. Meaning that when when things are happening for me, I see challenges and opportunities as as a way to grow and expand. I see it as a good thing. When it's happening to me, I'm the victim. I use excuses. And often you're going to be that person that's complaining and gossiping to other people, sucking people into your negativity and drama. Number four is our emotions, knowing that you can learn to respond to situations on the people beyond your control rather than react. Hey, it's okay if you feel angry. That's a negative emotion. And it's okay to feel that way, but I don't have to react from it. I can learn that I can now pause, remove myself from the situation. And when I compose myself, I can now respond from a secondary emotion. So now I can respond and then I can deal with my negative emotion on my terms to get through it. And number five is our, um, our action. I can control my action. And action consists of four pillars of success. That is our foundation and how we train our minds each and every day to be present, operating from intentions, learning to control what we can, learning to let go of what we can't, and learning how to be prepared, prioritizing our day. What are the priorities that really matter that go into the must box? Then the should box are the things that complement our must. These are the things that will allow us to carry out those important priorities. Our could, our could box are the things that are also important and urgent, but they can be delegated. So now if I can learn to work on my business or work on my, my relationship with my wife and my children, I don't have to always work in it because now I can delegate things that, that I can allow me to focus on my strengths to the priorities that really matter. And then the next box is the avoid box. Get rid of all the other crap that are not relevant to your well-being to your relationship, to your business, whatever it may be, get rid of it. So when I can now take action, I am laser focused in the moment and I am not busy and not productive, which is another form of procrastination. Those are the things that if you could focus on those five things daily 
and let go of those same five things in other people, because I can't control your communication. I can't control your behavior. I can't control your attitude. I can't control your emotions or your action. Those are the things that can start to shift one person at a time, then a team, and then an organization. Those are the things I would share. I know that was long-winded, but it was to illustrate a point. This is a process. But it, when it starts with one person and then you can be the example and be a resource, just like children observe with their parents growing up, it can rub off on other people in a positive way. Yeah. So I, I want to back the train up because we were just like, we just got on the high speed European, like, <laughs> so, you know, the first part uh, is kind of like what you describe as uh, the core elements, right? That's that that root cause. Yeah. As you call it. So there are elements from our background, from our childhood, from things that either we've done or have been done to us. And we built a story around that. That happens to us a lot. Right. And yep. so if we allow that to happen, then we're in this place of, um, of creating our own chaos, everything we attach some kind of meaning or judgment to. And I like to say it's, it's kind of like a bruise, like the neurons in your brain, the, the pathways or whatever. It's almost like it's a, it's a neural uh, highway that when someone says something in a certain way or a certain tone or a certain you know, thing, you'll respond impulsively. Like you just respond. You, 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 there's not even a logic to it. There's not even a thought. It just, you respond. Like when someone has that tone, you can't help but get defensive. Someone has that tone, you can't help but get sad or feel shame. So we have all this bullshit in our heads, right? Every one of us has it as much as we think we don't. And even some of the most highest, you know, performing individuals have this. So the self-awareness part is kind of where it begins and where I, what I find oftentimes is sometimes we're not even aware that these things are happening. Oh, absolutely. Kind of, right? Living by default or living just in, this, in the moment and not like understanding why or how I'm doing what I'm doing, much less how it's impacting my team, my spouse, or myself. So what are some of the ways that a people can have more self-awareness, you know, to have that kind of clarity? And then two, how do they, what do they do with it? What, how do they, how do they backtrack of all the chaos they've been creating themselves and now do it differently? Before we continue, I want to acknowledge something important. By listening to this show, you are taking a step that many leaders are frankly unwilling to do, and that is invest in yourself. And to honor your commitment, we want to invest in you. Our research shows that elite leaders excel in six core areas, and we've developed a quick two-minute assessment to help you highlight your strengths, uncover your blind spots, and see how you stack up against other top leaders. You'll get a personalized report that pinpoints the areas you can address to evolve into that next level leader. So to see where your leadership stands, go to rankmyleadership.com. Now, back to the show. 
Well, I would say it, it starts with how we change the way we think. I, I believe that without changing the way we think, then it can't, then it won't be able to impact how we be, to become it, to do things differently, and then have different and better results. Our communication will not change. Our behavior will not change. Our attitude will not change. All the things, the five things that I talked about. So it starts with how we think, learning to shift away from the past. When we operate in the past and the future, fear thrives. But those are messages that when we have certain situations that are not going right and how we react and how we're, we express it through negative, those are just those are just messages saying that that you have something that's unresolved in deep down, those limiting beliefs. So it's starting there. If you can't truly love yourself, then you will always be let down and hurt by other people. But when other people let you down and, and maybe hurt you, not intentionally, because a lot of times they're doing it because they don't, they're hurt themselves. Because you have a strong foundation from within and you love yourself, you're not going to be impacted like you used to be. Like when I'm with my wife, I'm not dependent on my wife. I'm not, I, I, I'm not, you know, I love my wife, but we have an interdependent relationship. My happiness isn't dependent upon her. It's, it just her. She compliments that. I choose to be happy. I choose, but I, but if I don't fill my cup, then I can't be an example and be a resource for her to do the same for herself and vice versa. I got, no one can come in and make me happy. I have to choose to be happy regardless of what's happening in my life. So it, so how can we go about now changing, change our way of thinking to be less codependent, to be more interdependent, to shift away from expectations, from outcomes, to be more intentional, to think in the moment. We, it starts with how with, we got to train our mind to be in the moment is through a daily routine. And it's like with a daily routine, if it's like a New Year's resolution. If I said, go to the gym and now you got to do this, this and this and all these activities in order to lose 30 pounds, you might say, OK, great. I'm going to do that right after the new year. And guess what happens? You go to the gym and then something comes up and it gets in the way and then you're and then you don't do it. And then another year goes by and nothing happens because you tried to take on the whole result that you're seeking all at once and it becomes overwhelming and this is why people that's what expectations and outcomes they're so they're caught up in the end result instead of the process start with one thing say to yourself when you wake up in the morning instead of waking up at 6 a.m i'm going to get up at 5 a.m and i'm going to get up at 5 a.m i'm going to do that for 30 days i'm going to get up at 5 a.m and then after that i'm going to add one thing i'm going to i'm going to meditate for 10 minutes for 30 days, then graduate up to 20 minutes. I'm going to do that for 30 days. Then another 30 days, add in journaling, then add in maybe exercise. So every month you're adding a new routine that will serve to fill your cup. And so when you could do it for 30 days, you add another one. So now after you did one, you'll end up doing two, then three, then four, whatever amount is required to develop your routine to take care of yourself emotionally, mentally, also, physically, these are the things that are going to find harmony in your life and shift your way of thinking. So it's the process that will lead to the results you seek, not that I'm tied to the results from the beginning, setting myself up for failure. Yeah, I like to call that the inputs. You know, if you, if you look at the foundation of everything we do, we have to look at the inputs. What are we yeah. putting into ourselves because that's what's going to come out. And if we put in a bunch of garbage, whether that be 
unhealthy media, the news, you know, the agitation of the world. If we put in, you know, crappy food, crappy alcohol, uh, you know, whatever, uh, there's good alcohol too. Uh, but like if you put in all the crappy, everything in moderation, right. Um, there's this essence where now all of a sudden when you show up, you'll come into those situations from that place of agitation, anger, frustration, or whatever. And now there's so much static into the conversations or to the relationships versus like you said, I think James Clear calls it habit stacking. Yeah. Uh, where that, just like in, very similar with habit stacking one at a, because mm-hmm. the, you can only do one thing. Like I had, I have ADHD. I was born with it. And when, when I started doing this 25 years ago and I started meditating, it was the hardest thing because for somebody with ADD to sit still for even 10 seconds was a, it was a difficult task for me. And I didn't, I did not get into a meditative state for nine months. I would just sit there and say, this is a waste of time. Why am I doing this? But yet something kept telling me, keep doing it. And I did it even though I, it was the last thing in the world I desired to do. And I did it anyway. And eventually I got into a meditative, a theta wave state and it just got better and better. And then I, and then I eventually I added things, journaling. I, I had a workout routine. I read every day, a chapter two out of a book. I make my bed. I review my daily goals and reprioritize as required. I do that that series of of habits that become now a routine every day. So even though I've learned to shift my way of thinking from in the moment, from intentions rather than the past and the future from expectations, it's not like I've graduated and it's like where I've arrived. This is an ongoing thing. Think of it like you're never going to graduate. It's always progress in motion. This is something we do for the rest of our lives. But what it does is because if it changes our way of thinking, we begin to see the world and situations and other people in completely a different way. And we don't feel we don't feel like we are the victim or we feel like we're being punched around like we used to, where we would react to everything that wasn't going right. Because now I can allow these things to kind of kind of roll over me and kind of see it as a way to grow and expand. And I don't take it personal. And I'm again, I'm not saying that you don't have your moments. We're human beings, but they're far and few between like before where I was the king of reaction and growing up an angry young man, I, I just blew up at anything that didn't go my way. And so I had to change my way of thinking. But these are the things that we can do to develop into great leaders, into great mentors, great role models, whether again, if you are, uh, working for a corporation or running a business or you're a mom or a dad or a husband or wife or a member in your church or a member in your community doesn't matter. All of these types of things, a way of thinking and how it impacts those five things that we could control can be a game changer in creating a life of abundance, prosperity, joy, and most importantly, happiness in your life. Yeah. And there's this essence of change that for so many people feels scary. You know, if you've done something the way you've always done, it's, it's, it's rote, it's, it's habit already. It's its own thing. Right. And so you have to change that inertia. You have to change that, you know, that status quo. And now you're going to do something different. And 
two things that come to mind. One is if you're still stuck in that scarcity mindset, then you think if I do something differently, I might lose what I've already built or lose what I've already created or in some way screw it up. The second thing that comes to me uh, that I think of, and this is where I've observed in a lot of conversations, is that change is always perceived as hard and going to take a long time. To which my argument is neither one is true because once you get onto the change, you know, uh, perception of starting to see the world through a different lens, I think it actually becomes a contagion. It gets exciting. It gets new. It gets oh, fresh. It does. I, I think as you learn to change your way of thinking, you begin to shed the instant gratification thing that we've all been grown up to learn. We learn it's it's, it's embedded in our subconscious mindset from the time we're born we're, we're bombarded with it on, on with commercials and TV and social media. And when we can learn now to really, you know, really embrace the small wins in life, the small victories, because those small wins and small victories become bigger ones. And we begin to have more gratitude. And I don't know about you, but I've learned throughout this process that I get more joy and more satisfaction in the small wins and victories and the process itself. So when finally, when the end result does happen, may not always be 100% verbatim to what I envisioned, but it within range, it's great and it's wonderful, but it's not to the same level as what built up to it. That's why, build, that's why enjoying the process is what it's all about. Because that result's going to come and go, and then you're going to move on to the next one. And then... Start. Yeah, it's it goes back to what you were talking about before. You know, fear, you said, in the past or the future. But the only thing we really have any control over is the present. Somebody right once... Uh, I've, I've said this to my audience before. You guys, you've heard me say this, where I say, you know, today is an acronym. It's the only day actually yours. And it's the only thing we have power in. What we put into today builds momentum or uh, trajectory for tomorrow. And we don't have to be afraid of today because we're an, an active participant, an active involved you know, party. And so we're taking those inputs, taking those habits, and we're putting them into a place where now we have that abundance. We have that gratitude and appreciation, that peace, that happiness you know, this is the abundant life. That's the overflow. That's the source. That's the supply. That's optimal living. You call it the prosperneur? Prosperneur, yeah. Prosperneur is just a, a term that you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be a prosperneur. Prosperneur is just a, a way of, of, of life and doing business that we, again, just how we think, how we see situations and people in a completely different way. I like if if I get on a if I get on a plane the night before, knowing that I'm leaving the night before to go to an important meeting the next day, because I'm leaving just in case if my plane does get delayed, or God forbid gets canceled, I can get on the flight and get there and still make it in time. But let's say, for instance, worst case scenario, even though I prepared properly, I left ahead of time, and somehow I can't get out now to that meeting. Now what am I going to do? Beat myself up? You know this. In, couldn't be at the meeting because, you know, it was beyond my control. I made every effort. Even if the other person doesn't understand 
it is what it is. I, I mean, I know it's easy to say and to do as another, but this is, this is life. But when we can learn not to react and learn to f- really focus on what, what I can control. And if I don't, if I don't do, if I'm not, if I didn't fulfill my intentions to my highest capability, to something I'm striving to, to achieve, well, that's on me then. Now I got to find out what can I do that, that I didn't do yesterday? What can I get better at? That's why I use the four, the four pillars of success. I always make sure I'm nurturing my foundation here and my values. I'm always preparing, again, prioritizing, making sure, you know, and scheduling and making sure everything I'm focusing on those must priorities. I'm executing, following through on my intentions, and then I'm measuring, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and then repeat the process. And those are the only things I can do. I could do that for how I take care of my well-being physically, mentally, emotionally. I do this financially. And I do this for all the eight pillars of wellness, my relationship with myself and others, social wellness. We talked about emotional wellness. We talked about uh, financial wellness, physical wellness. Then there's spiritual wellness. I have to learn how to believe in myself just as much as I believe in my higher power. A lot of people believe in their higher power, but don't believe in themselves. It's a two-way street. My intellectual wellness, that's why I read every day. I have to nurture and and build my my brain muscles because if I'm just constantly on social media or watching TV, that isn't helping me. I have to read. I got to do puzzles, trivia, things that are going to get me to keep my mind sharp. Occupational wellness. You might be working for someone. It may not be your dream job, but you could always find purpose of why you're doing what you're doing. So I always got to find, keep reminding myself, what is my purpose in my role, what I'm doing right now occupationally and then environmental wellness it's looking at my environment where i live my car my workplace is it organized it doesn't have to be ultra organized but it, if it's cluttered then there's clutter here i'm not allowing proper flow the life energy to kind of flow if i'm not organized so if i can now find harmony with those eight pillars of wellness because they can go either way they're like dominoes if one is not doing well it's going to impact the others. So I, I, I got to strive for that harmony. Those are the things that keep things moving forward and keeping us in a place of feeling abundant, feeling joyful, prosperous, and again, choosing. And is it, it's it always going to be easy? No, but, but it's not seeing it again as happening to you. It's happening for you. I love it. So if you're listening and all of this sounds like we are talking some other foreign language to you, you're in the right place because that which I've said this before, that which has the most power to transform you will at first defend you. So if this sounds like something you want to label woo, if this is something you want to label something other, then I would tell you, listen to your intuition in the context of this level of wellness, this level of intention, this level of showing up for yourself is the path to set you free. And if it seems like a challenge, it was Ryan Holiday that wrote the book that said, the obstacle is the way. And if you're making excuses and you're staying in your scarcity, then you already know that what you've been doing is no longer serving you. It got you this far, but it's not going to get you to where you want to go. But ultimately, here's what I want you to leave with. You don't have to stay the same. And how you transform your life is a contagion to how you impact and influence those around you. 
to be a better leader, to be more conscious, more happy. It's going to take a slight bit of change in your everyday uh, habits. Chris, if you were to leave this audience with one last thing, one last thought to help them, what would you say? I'm going to leave with a, a quote of mine, a slogan that I use quite a bit, and it's a game changer in anything you do in your life and business. Give without expectation, receive without resistance. And what that means is when you give without expectation, you're not doing it from a place of pleasing and enabling people. That's a, that's a codependent uh, behavior, passive aggressive we talked about earlier. Because if I please enable people, I'm not really helping them. I'm just keep it, helping them to keep them stuck. And it's just going to not do good for me. But when I give without expectation, I give from being the example of that every day. I have to be the, as a leader, I'm being the example of that through my communication, behavior, attitude, emotions, my action. And then I'd be resourceful. I share resources that will help and inspire and encourage people to do for themselves. That gets people to move forward. Some codependent people may not like that at first, but eventually when they take ownership of what's not working in their lives or career, they begin to appreciate and have more gratitude. And then they come back and may appreciate that you help steer them in the right direction. So give without expectation. And then when it comes back to you, it doesn't mean it comes back from the same person you gave to. It could come back from anywhere. As long as it serves you, fills your cup to spill onto others, you gladly receive without resistance. Many people have a hard time receiving. You don't have to do that. You don't owe me anything. And they, But what they don't realize is they're blocking off that prosperity and abundance coming back to them after they've done something. Because again, they might not feel worthy something for whatever reason, receive it, fill your cup to, to spill onto others. It's like a boomerang and keep that, keep repeating that process. Be amazed how your life changes for the most, for the most part, for the better. Oh, I love it, Chris. Well, thank you so much uh, for sharing your own generosity and abundance with us today. Chris this has been a real joy. Appreciate My you. Pleasure. As we wrap up another episode of Evolve Leadership, thank you so much for taking time to invest in you. If there's to be any sustainable growth in your company or even in your relationships, you must grow first. And it's what I love to do for leaders, to help them grow, to challenge their thinking, sharpen self-awareness, to instill an unshakable confidence, and ultimately upgrade their sense of self. And we do this through our proprietary method called Agile EQ+ where we're leveraging agile leadership and emotional intelligence. We provide our signature training for individuals and for businesses, we've designed a unique curriculum for company-wide learning and development. If you'd like to learn more about our training or to schedule a call, you can simply go to evolveleadership.org. And until next time, stay driven, keep climbing, and never stop evolving.